Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most artistic, athletic, tenacious, basically unique and interesting people in the world. Everyone has a story, each person a scholar. Welcome to season three. As we continue to seek out some of the most unforgettable humans, some of the most memorable stories, in the first two seasons, the show featured guests from over 60 different countries and will continue down that path because it is imperative that we cherish the differences. And we can only do that by getting out and journeying into unknown frontiers, whether it be physically or simply through conversation, sharing lovely experiences and saluting the tenacious and resilient guests. We have a stellar episode for today with just a fascinating guest, Austrian double bassist Marc-André Terwill joins the show. Marc-André is recognized as one of the most promising double bassists of his time. He brings a completely new approach to his instrument by exploring the soloistic capabilities. Marc-André grew up in a musical family in Vienna and now travels the world as a double bassist. At the young age of 19, he won a prestigious Swiss competition, which landed him further concerts in Switzerland for the next four years. On today's episode, Marc-André chats about what it was like growing up in a musical family and how being underneath the piano listening to his mom was one of his favorite memories. He also reflects on how a significant childhood injury that led him to the double bass and how that experience first lit the fire inside of him. Marc-André also reflects on the importance of practicing every day and for him how in many ways it's as essential as breathing. We'd also discuss his love of travel and he remarks that traveling the world has enabled him to be more flexible, more open. He's constantly looking forward to the next trip. This was such a delightful conversation. I was smiling the whole time because he gives such genuine, thoughtful, charismatic answers. He's full of life, he's full of passion, and blew me mind in so many different ways. Honored to have him on the show. It's a tremendous talent, but an even better human being. You guys are gonna love him, so let's go ahead and bring on Austrian double bassist, Marc-André Teru, and let's learn. Well, growing up in Vienna, I'm, I'm curious, what were your earliest musical inspirations? You mentioned it's the city of music. So for you growing up, what were the sounds that you heard in your house? Well, um, I'm very lucky also um, to be in a, in a family of musicians. Mm -hmm. So uh, music was always a big part of my life. Even uh, when I was a, a little child, a baby, and my mother is a concert pianist. So um, I really remember my earliest um, experiences, actually, my, my first uh, memories or uh, concert memories. My mom, uh, she played quite a lot when I was uh, small, when I was a little child. And um, I remember all the time being in different concerts, seeing my mom play. And uh, even when I was at home, she was, uh, of course, practicing or rehearsing with other musicians. And uh, I remember being under the piano. And this was kind of my, my favorite spot to play with my toys. So I had all my cars and my Legos and stuff. And I felt so safe because not only my mom was like next to me and making music and i also had this um, kind of roof a bit because the piano is such a majestic and big instrument and i felt like it was my little safe space somehow to be under the piano when my mom was playing and i was just uh, feeling really comfortable somehow so yeah i guess those are my first uh, experiences with music i'd say wow that, what a brilliant story that is when did it go from you listening to you actually taking up playing on your own uh, actually, quite early, uh, of course, I, I couldn't wait to start and just like uh, my mother and all of her friends and all the people I actually met when I was young, I, I wanted to do the same. I wanted to make music. And um, when I was four, year old, uh, four years old, I started with the violin, actually. Mm. Uh, 
the University of Vienna. Um, but uh, I remember <laughs> I always uh, <laughs> went hiding under the piano because uh, I didn't want to play. And not that I didn't want, but I was always somehow something didn't really uh, felt right. It was um, I was always complaining that it was too high the, the notes, and I wanted to have more volume, mm. more maybe just a bigger instrument. So then uh, a year later. I uh, chose to play the cello, which uh, actually was much better and uh, for me at least, and uh, worked uh, much better for my personality. It was bigger, lower frequencies, and uh, I felt quite happy with it. But then, <laughs> when I was 10 years old, <laughs> something terribly happened, and I broke both of my arms at the same time. Um, yeah, a little accident. <laughs> <laughs> That's not I a little accident. Practice. That's a big accident. Yeah, yeah actually. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, the helicopter came to my school because um, there were too many cars and it, it took too much time for the for the ambulance to come to come. So the helicopter had to land on my um, on my school. It was really nice. I was quite famous then in school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then I couldn't practice for like two months. Um, so yeah, two broken arms. And uh, somehow, you know, when you're ten years old, it's a difficult age. You also try to to find yourself. And uh, I asked my uncle, who's a jazz pianist in France. And I, I wanted to make a cool, to play a cool instrument, you know, like electric guitar, red with flames on it. So that uh, this was kind of my, my vibe back then. And he told me, yeah, maybe I could pick up the double bass because it's, maybe I could still reuse some of the, the years I, I spent practicing on the cello because uh, it's from the same family. And if I really want to go the, the cool route, I could still play um, electronic bass. So, uh, and for me back then, you know, electronic bass and electronic guitar was kind of the same thing. I just wanted a red instrument to yeah. play. So I was like, yeah, all right, uh, I'm going to try it out. And um, then I remember really uh, exactly how it was my first lesson with the double bass. And this little fire I had inside of me, this, uh, this flame, the love I had for the cello, I found it immediately again on the double bass, but mm. it even was stronger because now I knew, all right, this is, that's right now. So maybe it was fate actually this accident because otherwise I would have never played the double bass. So who knows? <laughs> that's just a spectacular story. And I love just hearing it from you because you just lit up. I can see the passion in you as you speak. Once you started playing the double bass, were there any musicians that you aspired to be? Of course, um, yes. Uh, number one was always my mother. I mean, she was she's really even now my biggest role model because um, she kind of showed me this amazing world of music and uh, not only what you see when you go to a concert, the, the final product, but everything around. So I got to travel a lot just by following her when I was a little for concerts, uh, and I I got to know a bit this lifestyle of traveling around, meeting people all of those amazing experiences and um so yeah this was really i say my mom for sure um and then also now later on a uh, few people that just inspire me to to continue my path and um, i think it's important to to get inspired from people but not to try to become them because at the end of the day you should find um, who you want to be yourself and that's actually what makes you unique somehow and uh, also we should try to embrace it because we all have different i don't know strengths and weaknesses so um yeah i'd say also now um michael bladera he's the ceo of the vienna philharmonic mm. he's also kind of my uh, mentor teacher and um he's really really someone that i look up to and he, he helps me a lot with the 
everything I do. So this is also kind of my role model, I guess yeah. you could say. <laughs> yeah. Were there any drawbacks of coming from a musical family? Because it, it was great because you were thrown into music at an early age. You heard sounds at an early age that most people didn't get to. Was there any negative as far as added pressure and maybe living up to expectations? Yeah, probably, I'd say. I mean, I was very lucky that I never got forced into doing anything. Mm. Uh, so my mom was always like, yeah, I mean, I give you this, I show you the the what I do in life, you know, this, uh, this path of music, but uh, you can do whatever you want. You don't have to do it. So it was always really my choice. And I think this is really important that um, you should never force a child to do something because it will never end well. <laughs> but uh, I think there was maybe a bit of pressure because... Um, from the outside, I guess, not from my family, but yeah. from, you know, when you come from a musician's family, it's the same in everything. When you come from, I don't know, like doctor family or stuff, you always have this family pressure, I guess, yeah. that then people expect you to, mm -hmm. to follow in the footsteps. But um, I had, I was very lucky to never really had bad experiences with it. So, Well, how about now, as you get ready for performances, are there certain steps you take to get in the right mental mindset at maybe before an event maybe meditation or visualization or anything like that yeah definitely i practice a lot uh, mentally i think uh, even now nowadays with the whole covid uh, stuff we don't have so many concerts and um, a lot of it gets cancelled so when you have the opportunity to play you have to be really uh, in the moment somehow so i have some little rituals always before a big concert and uh, it's a lot trying to enjoy the, the here and now it's uh, a bit of mixed of meditation maybe and also just going in nature taking walks and trying to focus and trying also really mentally to picture the moment so that um, then the little trick is uh, i stress a bit before mm -hmm. so like a few days before i'm like all right i'm gonna play in this hole it's uh, gonna be i don't know recorded by tv and it's kind of a big deal so you know there's this kind of pressure but then i picture it and i visualize it and then when the moment arrives um I'm really comfortable because I've been there. I've been there in my mind a few few days ago and uh, I know exactly what everything is like and I feel so comfortable and I actually get to just enjoy this uh, feeling of being on stage and uh, I think that this is quite important to try to enjoy it because it's actually really something magical when you think about it that people are coming to, to, listen, to listen to you on stage and uh, you should try to make the most out of it. So, yeah. I think that's a brilliant philosophy. So you're saying you basically get nervous a couple of days before, but then when it comes time for the performance, you're relaxed and you're going to enjoy it almost as you're watching yourself. Yeah, exactly. It's basically like uh, I'm in my room now because every time when I, a few days before uh, I was, I don't know, practicing or something or just taking a walk and I was really picturing myself. All right, in a few days, I'm going to be in this hall and this and that is going to happen. And then when the moment arrives, like all of the pressure or something just is completely gone because it's like, all right, I know this feeling. I've been there before in my mind, and it's, it's like I'm at home now, so might as well enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, well, I love that. On days you aren't performing or maybe days you don't practice or don't have to practice as much, do you want to get away from music? Do you want a silent household, or are there other certain music you like to listen to instead? Uh, no, definitely not. Silence is okay. not a me okay. so um, those very rare days where i don't practice for me practicing or just playing my instrument is kind of like breathing so i really need it even if it's not you know i don't know 12 hours a day but just yeah. uh, something is missing if i don't do it but uh, sometimes of course days like these happen and um, it's also good sometimes just to have a little break from, from the instrument from what you do all the time but um if i really think 
Um, I'm not sure that I had any day in my entire life where there was not any kind of music. And it doesn't mean just classical music or me playing music, but just a day without music. I don't think that this is really a thing for me. And I actually also think for most people because music is everywhere. So uh, even when I go to the gym, I listen to some hard metal rock to get in the mood. Or of course, I'm also I'm a 19 year old guy. So I listen also to the normal music, I'd say, what uh, people my age listen to. So I'm, I'm really flexible that way. I also like to listen to some jazz in the evening with some red wine or something. So I'm really open to all kinds of music. So uh, Yeah, yeah you, you've got it figured out. I think the quote by Nietzsche is, without music, life would be a mistake. But I got to know a little bit more about the hard rock that you listen to at the gym. So what are some of the artists that you're listening to at the gym? Well, actually, um, I have this um, kind of special... Uh, just random gym playlists actually which which are really interesting because they get updated every week or something yeah. so i just get to to meet new artists all the time and it's uh it's actually very good for someone like me that's quite an amateur when it comes to rock <laughs> it's uh, not something I, I spend a lot of time with but i listen to it quite a, a lot without having uh, without having too much knowledge about it but this um those playlists that get updated every week or something, those are really helpful for me because I get to know so many different varieties, which uh, are very interesting, actually. So it's not like I'm retaining names or bands or something, but I get to know a, a wide uh, range somehow of this yeah. music. Yeah, yeah, keeps it fresh, too. With the size exactly. of your instrument, has that ever been difficult as far as getting to and from events? I know I talked to a, a cellist and they oftentimes they have to buy a second plane ticket for their instruments. So for you, have you ever ran into difficulties or problems or just funny situations with the sheer size of your instrument? Well, only all the time. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> only every single day, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like maybe the biggest challenge of being a double bassist is just to travel. It's a okay. huge instrument. You will always be the center of attention when you take it with you, no matter where you are. Even in a car, you will, <laughs> you will be known <laughs> as the double bassist. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. But that's also something I really find intriguing about the instrument is that not only it's kind of a, uh, this challenge to play it in a soloistic way, but also everything that comes around it, the travel, it's always very interesting because uh, every time I take my bass outside and I travel somewhere, it's a big challenge because you never know what's going to happen. And, um, but sometimes it's also very nice because then you get many big opportunities like being upgraded in first class or something like this and uh, you meet people that are helpful for you and take you with a car somewhere so um, it's a blessing and a curse i guess but uh, we all dream uh, about the the cellist that can just uh, buy a second plane ticket and it's done because for us it doesn't work this <laughs> is too big so it doesn't fit on a second uh, ticket so you have to take it back with all the luggage and then you need a huge flight case and it's expensive it's messy and it never ends well so <laughs> i'm sure there's a lot of nerves for that making sure it comes back in one piece after you put it in the cargo yeah yeah and unfortunately it really it's a, like 50 50 chance that it oh. doesn't in one piece. so it's a it's a huge risk and uh, it's also very expensive you have to pay for extra large extra heavy luggage and it's it's not really fun to to fly with the double base yeah so how have you handled the last couple of years with the cancellation of events, not being able to perform as regularly as you want, and just all the uncertainty that came with it? Well, um, I think this was also maybe, I'm a very big um, believer of destiny and things like this. I mean, I have to be a musician after all. <laughs> but for me, it really felt somehow like um, 
I don't know if there is such a thing like a bigger force uh, or something that is like putting us somehow in a, in a big uh, test in life. Because in this time of the whole COVID and everything getting cancelled, of course, for musicians, we are living of concerts and of these social interactions. This is um, a disaster, a catastrophe. But then uh, after you know that, of course, the situation is like how it is, we have two options, two ways somehow. And the first one is, um, all right, it's just, you know, it's uh, understandable to to feel bad and to feel sad about it because your whole life somehow is just getting destroyed and uh, you, there's nothing you can do about it as an, as an individual. And the second choice is try to make the most out of it. And uh, somehow you have this fact that, all right, can, uh, concerts are getting canceled and you can change it. But uh, what can you do? Even in the worst situations possible, you can still do something. And um, what you do every day still matters somehow. So um, for me personally, it was um, getting a bit more into making recordings, actually. So um, there is no possibility to play so many concerts or not at all. But uh, things you can do are like you can record your pieces, you can record stuff, you can... Um, and this is, this is also helping me as a musician because I still get to have this little performance feeling, even if it's not the same. But uh, it still keeps me somehow busy and I still have little goals because I feel like this is the biggest problem for musicians. It's we lose our goals because we always work for concerts, but then they're gone. So yeah. Well, with that, what do you feel is just the biggest life lesson you picked up? Doesn't even have to be music related, but just biggest life lesson you picked up from the quarantine pandemic. Yeah. Well, that's no matter how bad it gets, um, you can make it better uh, and badder. So yeah. it's uh, really up to you how you handle the situation. I mean, it's quite a bad situation. But I'm sure if I would have just been depressed and said, ah, oh, why practicing and uh, it doesn't bring anything if there are no concerts and stuff, I would have, my life would have been much more sad than it is now if I would just try to, I don't know, push myself and try to find somehow meaning in this uh, difficult time. So I guess uh, you can make your destiny a bit. <laughs> Double bass and music have taken you all around the world. I've got two questions. One, what are the events that have made you the most proud? And also, what are the locations that you still daydream about? So, um, for me, the concerts that I'm the most proud of, like the biggest performances for me, are not necessarily the biggest one in terms of, I don't know, how many people attended this concert or how many people watched it on television or something, but mostly the, the emotional value I have to, yeah. to those um, experiences. And for me, most of them, actually, when I think back, those are challenging concerts like when i know okay i have i'm on time pressure i'm jet lagged and i have all of those factors that are against a good performance mm -hmm. but still um, trying to make the most out of it because at the end of the day all humans and um, music somehow making me stronger than you know i don't know being jet lagged or not having slept right or something and um yeah so Challenging concerts uh, and then just trying to give everything on stage like my life would depend on it and then succeeding those concerts for me are the the most rewarding and also the ones that I keep um, really big in my big time in my heart somehow and uh, the places uh, I played that I still daydream about are definitely Paris uh, I played quite a few times in Paris and every time I play in Paris there's just this magical vibe i know it sounds very cliche yeah. somehow but 
it's it's there (laughs) (laughs) it is there i fully agree yeah um and uh, then also a bit something more exotic would be uh, vietnam Mm. in 2017 i got to play there and this is also um showed me again what a blessing it is to do what i do not only to to make art and play music on stage but also the, the whole traveling aspect to meet new cultures new people a completely different world that i would never know probably otherwise and um, to still being able to say that this is my work that i get to be in vietnam and meet all of these people uh, this culture and um, to do this as a work is really amazing so yeah, yeah. vietnam and Paris. well i'm gonna go one more on that how about location that you still think about the food Ooh, well, Vietnam and Paris. No. Okay. <laughs> Works for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah, definitely Paris. I mean, I'm a big, uh, big fan of this. Um, how can I say? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm also quite flexible there. I like this really fancy food where you have this uh, experiences of food. It's not necessarily just eating because you're hungry, but having um, going out in really fancy restaurants, especially in France or in Paris, is uh, like having. Um, a movie in your mouth, you know, and having all of those little, little flavors and this explosion. And um, for me, this is something I really cherish a lot. But I also am uh, a normal guy somehow. And I like just, uh, you know, I'm hungry, I want easy food, nothing else. And uh, I'm a big fan also of the fast food culture somehow. And um, yeah, I'd say also Italy, Uh, Italy just they have all the fancy and the nice uh, wines, cheese, all the sausages and the, the meat is very nice there. But uh, then also basic foods like in Germany or in Austria. Actually, I, I want to know a bit more about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I in order to travel quite a lot, uh, as you told me. And what is for you the favorite, I don't know, the, like the, the one place you've been to that always is somehow in your memories. That's quite interesting, I think. Well, you're going to like this answer, but it's Paris. Really? Earlier, you were talking about it being magical, and that's how I describe it to everyone. When I'm there, I just feel different. Each time I go there, I still feel that same excitement. I don't know if it's the architecture. I don't know if it's the culture, the food, the music. I don't know what it is, but when you look out there and you see the Eiffel Tower, you just feel something. It'll probably always be that number one, and it just goes back to the French saying of it's je ne sais quoi, and that's just... It's hard to explain, but there's something there. Yeah, oh, well, that's a very good number one, I must say. <laughs> it's quite hard, actually, for people that never, that never been in Paris to understand because it's such a cliche, you know, everyone talks about it. Ah, Paris, Paris. Then yeah. you feel like this pressure on this hype somehow. But uh, for me, this is really something where I can say the hype is real. <laughs> it's interesting because when I'm there, I walk a ton, and but not on purpose. It's because there's just so much to see. And you set out, maybe you're towards one direction to Notre Dame, Sacre Coeur, but then you just keep going and you're like, because you just get distracted and caught up in the ambiance. And I always get tired <laughs> because of how much I walk and, but it's never on purpose. But I don't do that in other cities. In other cities, I'm taking the tube, taking the metro, but in Paris, you gotta walk. There's a actual like a, a phrase is you be a flaneur and you just gotta walk while you're there, which, which, which makes it okay to then get the fast food or get the extra croissant, or go extra big on your omelet in the morning. Exactly. <laughs> then it's like all of a balance, you know? <laughs> yeah. It is interesting because when I'm in other cities like London, I'm going to shows, going to sporting matches, but in, in Paris, I don't feel like I need to do anything. Yeah. Now, I know you appreciate travel and culture, and you speak four languages, three languages fluently. So what has travel taught you both about life and about yourself? 
Well, actually, I think it. Um, what I learned from it is uh, the values. That's um, what you should value is, um, of course, the most essential thing is our time. Uh, nothing is more valuable than time, and, um, and then also actually social interaction somehow the, the people that you see because of what makes a city exciting or what makes it great to travel it's not actually necessarily because of, oh the eiffel tower or the nice uh, the nice things you get to see but it's mainly the people and actually i would say it's just the people you you go to a special place and what's make what makes it special uh, are the people and uh, i feel like this is uh, something that's really um i learned up with uh, traveling a lot somehow and also just to get flexible and to not be somehow uh, i think like now it's um i'm living a bit more easy because uh, if something happens i'm all right so just to take it how it is and um, being open to more things i think this is also very very uh, interesting and that's why people say always traveling is uh, something we learn a lot because it opens your mind somehow. It's like a third eye. Completely agree. Is there a destination for you at the top of your list to either perform at or to just visit? Yes, uh, definitely Canada. Uh, because um, there is this... Uh, I have so many friends. Uh, I also grew up with so many Canadian friends that uh, were in Vienna because of the parents or something. And uh, I have now this kind of idea and this hype in my head of just Canada, also the French part of Canada. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's a, a bit of this um, a mix between the, you know, me as a French person, but it's also this whole American vibe somehow. And I just feel like this is this could be a place where I would really um, feel good. So definitely, uh, yeah, just visiting maybe a Canada tour or something would be my dream that's for sure and then the culture i feel like the culture is so amazing because it's uh, it's really unique somehow and uh, yeah i would just love to to go there one day and then it would be uh, new york yeah because okay. uh, my my reason is i'm a huge christmas fan <laughs> and um i mean new york during christmas that's that's something you just have to do right 100% when the cities are all lit up because of the holidays in december they're just fascinating whether it be new york London, Paris, even Vienna, even Vienna, one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, Vienna is very special. But for me, it's also this completely different culture because, uh, of course, I'm European. And to have this just this huge um, and this American vibe, I mean, uh, you know, big buildings and just, I don't know, many colors everywhere you can see. We have this in Europe, but it's not the same quantity, I'd say. In America, just everything is so much and so big. And, and for me, I only know this from movies. So to be able to experience this one, uh, one day, uh, it's definitely on my bucket list. You know, it's funny how you mentioned you know New York because of the movies, because I think one thing will happen then when you travel there for the first time is you'll feel you've been there before. You'll look to your left and right and you'll be like, I recognize that. I've seen that before. And everything will just be so familiar to you because of all the movies. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> this has been so delightful. I've just been smiling the whole time. You have an incredible personality. You are a tremendous storyteller as well. I hope you cross paths. Again, I'd love to catch you in performance. How can people stay up to date with your life and how can they follow your journey? Uh, well, I think I'm very active on social media. So um, I guess they're the best way just is to type in my name and you will find me uh, on various platforms. Uh, I don't know, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, you name it. <laughs> and um, yeah, and actually I have a bit connected all of my social media accounts. So um, the hub somehow is my website. 
and there you can find uh, my latest uh, concert information, my I don't know biography, and also my links to the latest recordings. And uh, just if you really want to know what's going on in my life, uh, on my website you will find all the important stuff. So um, Marc André Teruel dot com. Yeah. So but just my full name, and then dot com, <laughs> and then you'll find the uh, website. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me there. It's I really had a great time, and uh, I think it's really nice what you're doing, uh, interviewing people, and uh, yeah, it has been a pleasure actually to talk. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Marc Andre. Look forward to seeing you on stage one day, and hopefully, maybe we meet up in Paris as well. Be sure to check out his website. From there, you can follow all the different links. Give him a follow on Instagram. Always putting up fantastic content. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. <laughs>